Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. Table fam, how are we feeling tonight? Whoa, okay. Your reaction was a lot bigger than like the dreary, like moody. Y'all, I hated, can I be honest? I hated the weather today. Like there's a reason I live in Orlando and today was not it, right? But for some of you, you're like, no, I like the cold. Like in Florida, it's once a, once a year. We get this. Don't complain, Isaac. It's the only time it's cold. Fair, fair, fair. Hey, if I had not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac. I'm the pastor here at the table and part of our leadership team around here. And man, if it's your first time or your first time in a long time, uh, we just want to say welcome. Welcome to the the table. We have this gathering every week, and we call this gathering a banquet for the broken. And what we're saying is, hey, look, we're all imperfect. We're all broken. If somebody pretends like they're perfect, they're lying and they're wrong and like don't trust them. Uh, and we can all just be open and honest with our brokenness and kind of process through that how Jesus can bring healing into our lives. So if it's your first time or first time in a long time, we're so glad that you're here. And we've been in the series called Sacred Work. And in this series, what we've been talking about, the big idea, is that all work is sacred work. All work. All kinds of work is sacred work. And two weeks ago, we talked about that work is good. And then last week, we talked about how like you hate your job and why it's crappy and you don't like it and why we get really frustrated. Look at the jobs that we have, right? We talked about that last week. Um, so this week, um, to set us up, so I think I talked last week, if you were here, that at 24 years old, I got my dream job. Dream job at 24 years old, where I became the communications director um, at a church. This is back in Texas, um, where I became, got my dream job at 24 as a communications director. And when I had this job, it was really awesome because I got to create and got to explore. And one of the things that I got to do was create like a church-wide um, strategy around communications. And typically in church world, if you go to like church communications conferences, here's what they say. They'll say like, you got to think from the street to the seat, right? Which is cool because it rhymes, but also like it's helpful, but also it's kind of kitschy because it's church world and everything's like real kitschy in church world. Uh, so from the street to the seat, so th thinking through like an entire strategy around that. So here I am like new in the job and I'm trying to think through the guest experience, think through communications, but also think through uh, one, one, one terminology that's called wayfinding. Wayfinding is like signage. And when you're doing signage, you have to think through, okay, people are walking into the building. They need to know where the restrooms are. They need to know like how to navigate the building. Every building's different. Friends, you got to help people figure out where to go. So here I am trying to figure out like wayfinding for the church. So there was one particular Sunday, and I was still pretty new on the job. One particular Sunday, um, I wanted to put together a team so we could study like the wayfinding like foot patterns um, there at the church. So get this team together, and then okay, we'll be there on Sunday, and we'll kind of all stand at different places so we can figure out like how people are coming in to the church building. So we're good, we're good. So I, um, not always, but sometimes, I'm running a few minutes late. So I'm running a few minutes late to, to my post, my assignment. So I kind of rush, I get out of my car in the parking lot, I kind of rush into the building and I'm standing and I don't really have time to go to my office to drop anything off. So I'm there and I'm wearing a jacket and I have a backpack and I have long hair. And my assignment was standing by the kids building. So I'm standing by the kids building looking ethnic like I do with long hair and a jacket and a backpack standing by the kids building. Right? And I'm there, and I'm just standing there, I'm just, and I'm, also, I'm studying foot patterns, so let me show you what I looked like. <laughs> By the kids' building, with a backpack and a jacket, and I'm there. 
So eventually, I'm there for a few minutes, and people are, and then and all of a sudden, I see a lot of activity. And with this activity, I'm like, what's going on? And one of my coworkers comes up to me, and he says, and I ask him, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, dude, there's a security threat. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man, there's somebody by the kids building with a backpack and a jacket. And I'm, and I'm thinking, hey, man, well, I hope you guys catch them. All right, well. <laughs> so I go off. Then, like, one of the kids' volunteers doing a really good job starts following me. Starts following me. And then eventually I make my way to the lobby where one of my coworkers now introduces us. He's like, hi, here is Isaac. He has long hair. He's new on our staff. He works here. He's not a security threat, right? And from that day on, as communications director, I decided we need staff name tags just to make sure that everything is good. So the job itself was actually pretty fun because I got to work on different projects. But also, you know, there were times that were not being called a security threat. Um, but there were other times that were just kind of frustrating, right? Like I just kept, like, I just kept doing the same thing like over and over and over and over again to where I felt this. I felt unfulfilled. Like here I am in this job. You know, the job's really cool. I get to work on new projects. But also, I feel very unfulfilled. And I'm asking myself, after even just a few months or a year on the job, I'm asking myself, what's next? Here I am, what I thought was my dream job, and I feel unfulfilled, and I'm asking what's next. And I'm wondering if you may be where I felt in that moment at that job, right? Where perhaps you're wondering, man, how do I find a fulfilling job? Like, that's how I feel in my job, to where I, you're saying we feel unfulfilled, or you're saying you feel unfulfilled, and you're asking what's next, right? And for many of us, sometimes we think that um, we will find fulfillment in what's next, right? So we're just, we're here now, um, but we're either going to try to grind to what's next, or we're just going to just try to get through whatever job situation we are now, and we're just going to endure, and it's going to be painful, and we don't like it, but we're just there, and we're just waiting for something to fall out of the sky, because ultimately, what we're doing now is not fulfilling. And we hope that maybe the next thing is where we'll get to find fulfillment, right? So I'm wondering if that's where some of us are, is like, I feel unfulfilled, and what's next, right? And the the question that we're asking today, um, the question that we're asking today is, where can we find a fulfilling job? Where can we find a fulfilling job? Or perhaps it's, perhaps you're asking it this way, and we asked it this way on social media this week, to where, how can I find a job that has meaning, right? Where can we find a fulfilling job? How can I find a job that has meaning? Was this just me? Do y'all feel this? You're like, my boss is sitting next to me. I can't say anything. <laughs> right? All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, Verse 17, where it says this. We're looking at one verse, but this one verse is so powerful. I think it's so clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And the the book of Corinthians is awesome because Paul talks about lots of different subjects. And one of the subjects that he talks about is work. And here's what he says, what Paul says about work, where he says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Um, He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord, here's this word here, that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God, here's this word here, has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. As we think through jobs, typically we think we're asking this question, 
where what's my calling? What's my calling in life, right? What's my calling, right? And uh, the Apostle Paul, which is a fantastic question to ask, what's my calling, right? And a lot, many of us ask this. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying, is that a calling is an assignment. A calling is an assignment, right? Whenever we think to be called, we're assigned something. And even perhaps you've thought through the word vocation before, as you thought through career, or you've thought through work, you've thought through the word vocation. The word vocation comes from the Latin word, like vocare. Um, I don't know if I'm selling that right, but it's V-O-C-A-R-E. I've been playing Wordle, so I've been spelling a lot. You guys have been playing Wordle? Okay, what was the, don't say the word today. I have not done finished it yet. So, uh, so this word vocation um, is at the, at the root means to, to a calling, right? So vocation at the root of the Latin word is a calling. And we know that a calling, as Paul says, is an assignment. And here's what we know about this assignment is that God gives us the assignment, right? God calls us into the assignment. That assignment doesn't come from us. Because an assignment is not about us. Whenever somebody calls you into something, um, they're calling you into something greater than yourself, right? This calling is a calling that's so beyond ourselves. It's a calling to others. And that's what the assignment is. There's a meme. I think I'm too old to try to really understand what it means, but like something with understood the assignment, something like that. But what the assignment is this. The assignment is to serve the world, Here's the calling. So God calls us, God, God assigns us, and what's the calling? What's the assignment? The assignment is to serve the world. Tim Keller says it beautifully when he says this. He says, a job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to do it, and you do it for them rather than for yourself. So our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. That's so good. I'm going to read it again. Tim Keller says this, where he says, a job is a vocation, right? Only if someone else calls you to do it and you do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work, our jobs can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. Here is the big idea. Here's the big idea. Your job is not about you. Your job is not about you. Your job is an assignment to serve others. I'll say it again. Your job is not about you. Your job, the assignment, is to serve others, right? But, um, you know, we've heard, we think, and kind of everyone thinks this way, uh, that we think that our jobs is about us. We think that our jobs is finding our fulfillment. It's about finding our self-actualization um, or self-realization, right? We find our life calling, and when we find our life calling, like, we're so fulfilled, and we feel, like, really good about ourselves. And the reason we're not finding fulfillment is because we think that our jobs are about us. Because we don't want to serve others. Look, I'm, I'm, my hand's raised here too. We don't want to serve others. We want others to serve us. We don't ask, hey, what can I do for you? We ask, hey, what can you do for me? Right? And we even think through this, right? Perhaps it's um, you're incredibly ambitious. You're just in a very ambitious person. And like you grind and you grind and you grind. And here's what's going to happen. When you make it all about you, your ambition is going to turn to burnout. Or perhaps you're a very determined person, and you're determined, and you're determined, you're kind of like a go-getter, you're kind of a bullnose, and you're just there. And what happens is your, your assertiveness is going to turn to uh, taking advantage of people if they don't do what you want them to do. 
Or perhaps it's, you know, you're really creative, right? And you're like, man, I'm so creative. I love being creative, right? And then we think it's our creativity where we get our identity. And then we're so hurt whenever we're not given those creative opportunities. Why? Because somebody doesn't just attack our work. They attacked us. They attacked our identity. Why? Because we think that the calling, our jobs are about us, right? And we need to understand that our jobs are not about us. Our jobs are calling from God to serve others. I love the way that Pastor David says this. It's here on the screen here. Pastor David's a senior pastor here at First Orlando, where he says, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. You're never more like Jesus than when you're serving, right? Um, And I don't mean like um, um, serving, like you're like greeting at the door, shaking someone's hand, although that could be an application of it. I mean a perspective and a worldview that your life exists. You are called, assigned by God. The purpose, we're asking like, what's our purpose in life? Here is your purpose in life. I'll just tell you this. Here's your purpose in life. Serve others. Hey, what's my purpose? I need to discover my purpose. I need to find my purpose. Our purpose, our assignment, our calling from God is to serve others. Why? Because this is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came down to serve us. Jesus came down because he loves us. Jesus came down to rescue us, to redeem us from our brokenness, from our sin, from our failures. And because Jesus loved us, now we have an opportunity to love other people. That we don't need to, we don't need to try to figure out our lives. Like, how can I love myself? I need to love myself. I need to love myself. I need to love myself. Look, Jesus already loves us. So now we just get to love others. We don't have to figure out all this, right? And Jesus serves us, and because he serves us now, we have our opportunity to serve other people. The big idea, your job is not about you. The assignment is to serve others. So for me, back, I was at my, uh, my previous church, communications director, you know, feeling unfulfilled, and I'm just doing the same thing. I'm feeling unfulfilled. I'm asking what's next, what's next. You know, I'm applying, um, well, I don't know if my people there at my previous church, I was applying for other jobs at the time when I was working there, not getting anything. I'm frustrated. Like, there was a few jobs that I thought I had, was a pretty good candidate for, didn't get it. I'm just there, and I'm feeling unfulfilled, and I'm frustrated. I'm asking what's next. So eventually, I'm hanging out with a buddy of mine, and we're playing disc golf. My buddy Ryan, he's one of my best friends. So, so Ryan and I are there, and we're playing disc golf, and I'm telling him, I'm telling him about these jobs that I'm trying to apply for. I'm not getting anything. I'm feeling really unfulfilled in what I'm doing. And what I told him was, man, Ryan, I'm just feeling like really burned out. I'm, I'm, I'm really burned out in ministry, right? I'm really burned out working for a church. And, I'm, you know, I'm talking about what's next. So Ryan's processing with me, and, and here's in the most loving, compassionate way that he could say, he, says, he said this. He said, Isaac, man, I'm hearing you, bro. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that you're, I think how you're feeling, I think is real. But I'm, I'm wondering if it's possible that the reason you're feeling burned out working for a church is because you're not actually doing ministry. You're just working for a church. And I'm like, mind blown. I'm like, whoa, like, what do you mean by that? He's like, yeah, man, like, you're, like, you're there, you're going to the office, you know, you're in the office and you're there, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is a classic kind of church schedule, Monday, th- uh, Sunday through Thursday. You're like, you're there, and then, and then you kind of leave, and it's just a job, and you're there, and then you leave, and you're there, and you leave, and you're there, and you leave, right? And he was exactly right, because it, it's like, it was like God was speaking through Ryan as I was talking with him to where I realized, man, my job has been all about me. My job has been about, hey, what can I build? How, how can I make the communications department here at this church so great and put my name to it so people know that the only reason that it's good is because of me? Can I do that? Can I build that? 
right? Can I make my own name great? Like, I was not thinking about my job as a way to serve others. I was thinking about my job as a way where I could be self-expressive, where I could be just build what I wanted to build, build my little kingdom here on earth where I was God sitting on the throne behind Adobe, like, uh, design programs, right? It was all about me. It was not about serving others. Your job is not about you. The assignment is to serve others. So if that's true, if that's true, what does that mean? Like, practically, what does that mean, right? What does that actually mean to serve others? So whenever we think through serving others, it's actually a dual calling. With Calling is an assignment to serve others. It's a dual calling. There's a dual calling to serve others. And so here, here's one of the callings, the first dual calling, is for us to be motivated in your job. Motivated in your job, right? And it's not motivated because, like, you have to be, right? Because perhaps if you're not motivated in your job, then you'll get fired, you'll get a point, or, um, or you're motivated in your job so you just get that bonus, right, that Christmas bonus or whatever it may be um, at your job. Um, you're not motivated just because you have to be. It's because you want to be motivated. So where does this wanting to be motivated, where does this come from? What actually comes from Paul, comes from Scripture, Colossians 3, where he's writing to another church, and he's saying this, also talking about work, where Paul says, Whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men. So Paul's saying, hey, whenever you work, work heartily, right? Put everything you have into the work that you're doing. Why? Because the boss is not actually your boss. You know who your actual boss is? Your boss is God. And God loves you, and God's not trying to, like, you better not mess up, or I'm going to, you know, do something bad to you. No, no, no. Because God loves us, now we have the freedom to love other people. So if that's, God loves us infinitely, so now we just get to turn and love other people. So when God's our boss, God's like the best boss ever, right? So whenever we work, we don't work for our human boss. We work for our heavenly boss, right, who just loves us freely and rescues us freely. So let me tell you the, can I tell you, this is Paul's version. Let me say the, the AIV, which is the Allen Iverson version of this. If you know Allen Iverson, he was a basketball player. Here's the Allen Iverson version of this. Um, put your heart on the court. Put your heart on the court. If you know Allen Iverson, he played for the 76ers. You um, just go so hard in the paint. When every game, when you watch him play, like he just plays so hard. He's like, in basketball terms, incredibly small. He's six feet tall, but like was single-handedly put the 76ers on his back to take them to the 2000 finals against the Lakers, right? So put your heart on the court. So here's what it means. Whenever we work out of love and not out of fear, this is what it means to work for God because we're working out of our love for our neighbor. I was actually talking to a guy yesterday. Yesterday we were having a conversation, and what he was, he was telling me was what his boss, not God boss, but like what his boss expects of him, the line is like here. And he knows that what he's capable of is like way up here. But his boss only requires him to do this. But he knows that with his gifting and his skill set, he's able to do this. So you know what he does? He does this. Why? Because he's not just trying to scrape by. He's trying to work for God and put everything that he has into his job, even though it takes more time, even though it takes more energy, more effort. Why? Because he knows that he's not just working just to try to get by. He's working to love others. And the most loving thing to do is to put everything into his job to love others other people. That's what it means to be motivated, right? It is a, a kingdom, um, a gospel-centered motivation to do our jobs as best as possible to love our neighbor. Um, because um, as we do that, here's what we do, right? We can get really, really good at our jobs, 
right? So for, maybe for you, whenever you're, you're starting to follow Jesus, right, and you're trying to explore what does it mean to be a Christian, here's what it means to be a Christian. If you're a carpenter, if you work with your hands, make a really good table. That's really good honoring. That's how you can start following Jesus, make a really good table. Or perhaps, I was talking to my sister today, if you're in the medical field, um, she, my sister's in the medical field, um, provide exceptional patient experience. That is gospel-centered work and motivation is provide exceptional patient experience, exceptional quality of care, as well as um, take very diligent notes. Because if there's a transfer of care with a patient, real, having really good notes is helpful in the process. That way things don't crack so that the patient experience still stays um, really high, right? So take diligent notes. If you're in school, I know half of us are in college. If you're in school, be a really good student. Learn well, right? You're paying for it. You're in school. So do to the best of your ability. And you, you probably won't get straight A's. You might. But anybody got straight A's right now? Yeah, give it up. Good job. Yeah. Anybody definitely did not have straight A's? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> a few of us. Yep, a few of us. Be a really good student. Learn really well, right? Because that's what it means because you're preparing yourself to be able to work really well with, with motivation. Or um, I know a lot of us, service and hospitality. Anybody service hospitality? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's like most of the room. How do you, y'all call back. Y'all can actually speak back to me. Um, what, how do you do a really good job in the service and hospitality industry? Stand by pleasure every time. <laughs> I'll go over, I don't know what that was. I'll go over here. Provide pleasure. Provide pleasure? By, oh, by pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. Cool. What else? I saw something over here. Anticipate their needs. Come on. Come on. Someone else? Service and hospitality over here? Take a good picture for the family? Yeah. 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 Such great ideas. Y'all have motivation. Let's, let's enjoy what we're doing, right? Why? Because we talked about this week one. Whenever we're working with motivation, here's what we're doing. We are, there's a word that, this word of cultivation. We are cultivating the world. We're building. We're maintaining. We're repairing. We're harnessing God's raw potential, and we're moving the world forward and building societies, right? God doesn't want us to have us just to have a lot of babies, although that's partly true, right? God also wants us to build culture, build societies, to build cities. And whenever you are really, really good at your job, here's what you're doing. You're, you're partnering with God to build the world around you by providing um, good guest experience, providing patient care, by building tables, right? If you're in IT, writing really good code that's clean, right? Nobody ever writes code that's good enough for, for you, right? But you can, you can do it. You can do it. So that's how we do it. Get really good at your job. And here's the second thing. Ministry in your job. Ministry in your job, right? So be motivated in your job and ministry in your job. Now, as I say this word ministry, um, a lot of us have a lot of different definitions for what we mean by ministry. And perhaps you think, oh, ministry, that means working for a church. And I'm saying, no, why? Because I have worked for a church and have not done ministry before. That's what I was doing in my previous job. I was working for a church, and I was not doing ministry. So what do I mean, what do we mean when we say ministry? Here's what ministry means. Here's the definition of ministry. In serve, the word ministry literally means in service to others. In service to others. It's loving our neighbor by showing and teaching the ways of Jesus, right? And it's building up the body of Christ, right? And it's, it's, ministry is face-to-face. 
right? Ministry is helping someone face-to-face, helping someone by teaching them and showing them the ways of Jesus. Now, perhaps some of our service to others in ministry looks incredibly practical, like picking somebody up from the airport, taking somebody a meal who's sick, right? Helping somebody when they move, right? A lot of us are renting, and there's a lot of moving going on. That's being able to help someone, be in, doing ministry and service to someone. So that's one way. Here's, um, I, I say, so with the physical is incredibly important, as well as one-on-one conversations about life in Jesus. Here's what ministry means. I think the, one of the most practical, helpful definitions of ministry is this. One-on-one conversations with somebody to their face, face-to-face, one-on-one, about their life and the ways of Jesus in their life. In whatever you have to be able to be helpful in that, as you're following the ways of Jesus, you can help someone else follow the ways of Jesus. That's what we mean by ministry. And here, here's the—it's not the big idea, but here's a really, really crucial key to this. Every Christian is called to do ministry. Every Christian is called to do ministry. It's not just for people that work for a church. It's everybody. So whenever you say, right, so some of you, and we're going to talk about this more next week as you're trying to discern um, what your calling is, right? And some of you, man, I feel like I'm called to work in ministry. And my response is, start now. Like, why aren't you doing, like, I don't understand. Why aren't you doing ministry now? Sorry, that was really mean. I shouldn't be that mean. Um, uh, I understand perhaps why we don't have a correct definition of ministry. I understand that, so I'm going to be compassionate. But let me redefine our definition of ministry. All of us, every Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, um, then you should be looking at the Christians that you know and saying, hey, you should be serving me more. You should tell them. You should be serving me more. You should help me out. You should give me meals. You should take me to the airport, right? Like, shouldn't you be doing ministry to me, right? If you're not a Christian, like you tell your Christian friends, they should be doing ministry to you, serving you, right? Loving you, right? Every Christian is called to do ministry, to serve people, to love our neighbors face to face, right? So all of us can do. So if that's the definition of ministry, now we go back here and we say, okay, wait, I can actually do ministry in my job. I don't need to work for a church to do ministry. I can actually do ministry in my job now. So to help us process this, there's a really helpful uh, matrix. I love matrix and tools. There's a matrix here where we have this. It's called the dual calling matrix. I made it up. It's called the dual calling matrix. And with this dual calling matrix, on one axis, the y-axis, um, we have motivation, right? So we want to be motivated in our jobs, but also um, we know that some of us don't have motivation in our jobs, right? So there's an axis, and the other axis, the left or right, or the, the x-axis is this, um, where we want to ministry and no ministry. So now we have our matrix set up, so if we have a motivation, no motivation, we have ministry and no ministry. Okay, so what happens if you're not if, at your, so th- now think through the lens of your job. Um, if you're not doing ministry at your job, not having face-to-face conversations with people um, with, about Jesus and to help them and to serve your, your coworkers and the, your customers, so no, or clients, so no ministry, and also if you're not motivated in your job just to be better at your job, to, do, um, be, to get good at your job, you just don't care, not doing good at your job and not doing ministry. Here's where you are. You're miserable. You're a miserable worker. You're angry at your job. Um, you feel shame at your job because you're not where you want to be, as well as you're really anxious about the future. But if you're not motivated in your job and you don't have motivation, sorry, if you don't have motivation in your job and you're not doing ministry, you're just mis- you're a miserable worker. And that's where I know some of us are here today. Welcome to the table, right? Okay, so what if 
um, you are doing ministry, but you're not motivated to do a good job in your job. Here's what you are, right? You're a bad worker. If you are given an assignment um, from God to be um, responsible for even, yes, you're ultimately working for God, but at the same time, like you work on a team, you work with people, coworkers, and you're not doing your job, you're not serving your coworkers because they're making their job harder by you not doing your job. So if you're given an assi- if you're given a post, like I think about it, like I love I love going to Disney, and I know we have a lot of Disney fans here. Like I I'm so grateful, but I also know it's such a hard job. But I'm so grateful for the person that is parking, like the Magic Kingdom parking lot. <laughs> Why? Because they're there, and it's hot, y'all. It's hot, or it's raining. Like it's not like it's nice outside. Um, so they're there, and what are they doing? They're doing such a good job helping the vehicles get where they need to go, and I'm so grateful for them and serving in that way, and they're doing such a good job. Imagine, though, if you were that person um, in that, the parking job, like I'm at the Magic Kingdom parking lot, and then you were like, I got to evangelize to every single person that comes in, and you leave your post, and you go to every car, and you're like, do, 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 do. Have you heard about Jesus? Do, 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 do. Have you heard about Jesus? Do, do, do. Have you heard about Jesus? You're not going to be very effective. Why? Because you're not doing the job that you need to do. Now, there are, we're going to talk about this in a second. There are times and places to have conversations about Jesus. But whenever you are assigned to be in your post at the Magic Kingdom parking lot to help people park their cars, it's not the time. Probably. 99, there, I'm sure there's like, um, let me hedge a little bit. I'm sure there's like a few times where it would be appropriate. Most of the time, do your job. Y'all get the point I'm trying to make. Do your job well. When you don't do your job well, when you're not motivated to do your job well, you're not serving your neighbor, you're not loving your neighbor because you're just making the entire experience worse for everybody. Rant over your welcome. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, you don't need to clap. Okay. Uh, now, let's say, let's say that you are motivated in your job, but you're not doing ministry. What happens there? You are a disintegrated worker and a secret Christian. What do I mean by this? I mean, and my suspicion, I'm I'm saying this with a lot of care and love and compassion and honesty. My suspicion is that for a lot of us, we would find ourselves in this quadrant. As we think about our jobs, as we think about our workplaces, most of us would find ourselves in this upper left quadrant to where we, we are disintegrated um, and we're a secret Christian. So what do I mean by disintegrated? I mean that we show up, you're here on a Tuesday, right? So you have some sort of faith. Um, I mean, at the minimum, like you're exploring faith, you're curious about Jesus, and at the maximum, some of us are like super, like um, very much into faith stuff and into Christian stuff and into Jesus, and all of us are in various journeys along the way. Um, so if we're even here at the table on a Tuesday night where we're pretty, this is what we talk about, and you're like, okay, I'm okay talking about Jesus, um, and perhaps if we're even, those of us that are Christians, right, then we're, we're working at our jobs, and um, nobody knows that we're a Christian, we don't, we don't talk about it. It doesn't come up in conversation, right? And we're disintegrated in the sense that we may even have, this is some of us, and I'm treading carefully, um, some of us may even have like our church friends, and then we have our work friends. And our church friends stay way over here, and our work friends stay way over here, and they don't touch, and we pray that they never touch. Why? Because we are disintegrated. We don't have an integrated life, right? We, we're... Uh, 
um, we're saying that Jesus is the most, the treasure of our lives. Jesus is the most important thing to us. Like deep down, we want to help people follow Jesus, but at work, um, we, we may feel really intimidated. Why? Because it's scary. Well, maybe it's really scary, right? Because you don't know how someone may respond if you start a conversation about Jesus. So you're there at work, and you're like, man, I just, I don't, should I? I don't know. I don't know. Like, should I? Should I? So here's, here's the opportunity for most of us. Most of us need to add ministry to our jobs, right? So let's say that you're in the bottom, right? You're a bad worker. You just got to get better at your job. Just get better at your job. Talk to your boss on how to do that. Um, I'm sure there's already like, um, uh, oh gosh, I've been called into the office for uh, probation or like write up like 90 day plans to help you get better. I'm sure that's already happening behind your back. Just talk to your boss to your face. Okay. Okay, but let's say that you are a, a disintegrated worker. Here's the opportunity, right? Because I'm saying this, I, I feel like most of us in this room are here because this is where I was. Uh, most of us are here. We need to add in ministry to our job, All right? So how do we add ministry to our jobs? It's this. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. If you're someone who feels like you're in the upper left quadrant where you feel motivated at your job, but you feel like you're not doing ministry at your job, the opportunity is to invest and to invite. Okay, so what do I mean by invest? Invest, I mean, uh, number one, find a person of peace. This is kind of a churchy term um, that Jesus uses. So I, even though it's a churchy term, I still like using it because Jesus used it. Um, find a person of peace. And a really helpful way to think through who a person of peace is, a person of peace is somebody who likes you, somebody who listens to you, and somebody who helps you. Somebody who likes you, somebody who listens to you, and somebody who helps you, right? Who's someone there? I, you know, you're probably already maybe thinking of people right now at your job, they like you, right? You have good rapport. There's chemistry. They seem to like you. At the same time, like whenever you talk, they listen. Like they ask you about how your weekend was. They ask you about what you did, right? They, they listen to you, right? Perhaps they even ask you for advice and then you give them whatever advice you're able to give. And they're like, oh, thank you. That was really helpful, right? And they, they listen to you as well as they help you, right? Perhaps if they were there before you, they help, make, they help train you. They wanted to make sure that you did a good job when you were on the job. So they help you. They make your life better. Um, perhaps you even have a relationship outside of work um, to where, um, you know, they even help you move, the airport rides, you know, whatever it may be. And now, not, listen, not every single person is going to be a person of peace at your work. So perhaps the reason that we may feel like adding ministry to our jobs feels really daunting is because we think that we need to do ministry to everybody. And then we think of that one person who's like so difficult and that we just don't get along. And we think like, oh man, like I just can't do, I don't know if I can do ministry to that person. So if I can't do ministry to that person, they're so difficult. I just can't do ministry to everybody. Because when we think through ministry, we think through like worst case scenario. I don't want you to think through worst case scenario. I want you to think through best case scenario. Think of the person that you have the best rapport with at your job. Think of the person that you have the best chemistry with, right? And as you're finding a person of peace, right, here's, here's number two. Here's what we get to do. One-on-one -on -one is how it's done. One-on-one -on -one is how it's done. Um, meaning, I was talk, talk, actually talking with some people um, last week, like right after, the table, right after the table last week, I was talking with uh, some friends, and um, uh, one of the people that I was talking to said that at, um, at the work, she said, hey, are we like... Um, are we just work friends or can, like, are we real friends? I would, I would love to be real friends. Can we be real friends? And the person's like, yes, I would love to be real friends. Let's go hang out, right? 
Such a cool example, right, of finding just one-on-one is how it's done, wanting to love someone, wanting to serve someone, right, wanting to offer the hope that we have um, as a Christian, um, right? So as we think through investing and inviting, I don't want you to, it's daunting to think through every single person that you work with, but I think it's a lot more catchable. Our best next step is just to think through one person. Who could that person be that's a person of peace there in your work? And because there's a lot going on at, there's a lot going on at work, there's a lot going on, you know, whatever your job may be, it just may be like, you know, I've heard of like, um, I know like very so few of us actually work like in an office building like with a water cooler, but imagine like those water cooler conversations to where you're there and you have like maybe like three seconds before you got to go and do the next thing, right? That may not, that's probably not the best time to be able to actually hear someone's story, right? But a, but a better way would be, hey, can we grab coffee? Oh, hey, man, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear, ta- I'd love to keep this conversation going. Like, can we grab lunch sometime? Such a great way to add in ministry. And as you're, as you're able to add in ministry, you're investing, right? It won't be everybody. You may not have time and margin for every single person like on your floor or every single person at your job. Perhaps you do. Um, you probably don't. But I'm sure there's one or two people or three people that, you can, that God has appointed, God has shown you, especially to invest and to invite, right? So we just invest. And what do I mean by invite? I think invite in a couple ways. One is invite them just to, to spend time with you. Invite them to hang out with you, right? Invite them to just to be part of your life, right? As you're thinking through your church friends and your work friends, invite your work friend to hang out with your church friend. Or, hey, even better, invite your church friend to hang out with your work friend. And you're like, I would never do that. And I'm asked, why not? Right? Let's, let's integrate. Let's integrate our lives. Let's, let's not have a work life and let's not have a church life. Let's just have a life. That's fully integrated. We are motivated at our jobs, and we're getting to do um, ministry. And as we do that, you know what we get to do? As we do that, here's what we are. When we're both doing motivated in our jobs, um, well, and then, so, um, get ahead of myself. Um, the other way to invite is we have some really cool experiences. Have you guys ever heard of the table? Okay, can you raise your hand if not, like you saw it on social media, not a website, not even just like um, a um, guest experience somewhere. Raise your hand if you got a personal invitation your first time to the table. Raise your hand. That's awesome. Good job. Whoever, I'm clapping for whoever invited you, and I'm clapping for the person that invited me. That is incredible. And my hope is that actually that's the primary way that people, that people um, have a cool experience on a Tuesday night. It's through a personal invitation to the table. So that's one way. Also know that there's other really amazing gatherings in town. Some of us, um, as well as on Sunday morning here at First Orlando, right? If you want to invite somebody to your life group in, that meets in a home, if you want to invite somebody to come on a Sunday morning, would it be incredible? I know not all of us call First Orlando home. I know not all of us come to the table every week. That's okay. If there's another young adult gathering in town, great. Invite them to that. If there's another group that you're part of, amazing. If there's another church that you go to, I don't care. I really don't. I don't care. Here's what I do care. I want you to partner with God to do ministry because it's for you to love others. And as we're doing that, here's what we get to do. We get to find fulfillment. We are fulfilled worker, right? We're asking, how do I find fulfillment? Here's how we find fulfillment, is that we, have, we are motivated and doing a good job at our jobs and working our jobs with competence and with excellence, as well as um, we are doing ministry at our job. So for me, I was actually processing this morning as I was thinking about processing to you guys, talking to you guys um, here this evening, and I was talking to my wife this morning, and what I thought of was my year of 2017, 
my year of 2017 was the last year that I lived in Texas um, before I moved here to Orlando. So I moved here to Orlando right at the beginning of 2018. I've been here for about four years now. Um, but thinking back, I used to think that my 2017 was really sad. I was processing a breakup. I was going through things. I was, trying to, I was feeling lonely. I was trying to figure out my life and what was going on. So um, true story, before today, look, true story, as I thought through my year of 2017, I, was, I just thought of that year, oh, yeah, that was a really sad year for me. Which is true because, like, there were some things um, going on. But here's how I felt as well. Um, through that year, so that was after my conversation um, with my buddy Ryan on the disc golf course, where I started adding ministry to my job. I was already doing a good job, and then I started adding ministry to my job. Um, And as I started adding ministry to my job, here's some opportunities that I got to do, is I started leading a college group at my church. As well as, um, I started meeting, I used to have long hair, some of you met long-haired Isaac. Um, So I had a hairstylist, not a barber, a hairstylist, because I had long hair. Um, And and even through conversations with my hairstylist, eventually we were able to, um, he was a person of peace. I asked him if he wanted to, he was asking questions about the Bible. I said, hey man, do you just want to study the Bible together sometime? Thinking he was surely going to say no. And then you know what he said? Yes, I would. I would love to study the Bible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. So then I, you know, I texting one of my mentors, like, hey, man, this guy, like, wants to meet with you one-on-one to study the Bible. I have no idea what to do. And he's like, guys, like, you'll, you'll be fine, bro. Just, hear, uh, just read. Ask me if he wants to study the Gospel of John. Just read. The, like, I'll help you, bro. You're, you're good, man. You're doing a good job. Okay, thank you. So then I'm meeting with him, and we met for about a year throughout all of 2017. And he's asking amazing questions, and I'm able to talk through that, and we have such amazing conversations, as well as there's another guy that I had met um, through, my, uh, through my church to where he had just become a Christian, and he knew nothing. He was like, man, I don't know anything. Can you help me? I'm like, sure, I can, I can help you. So I was like meeting with him as well, as well as, so I was working full-time um, doing communications, like that was my full-time job, but there was an, um, um, an opportunity to volunteer, not get paid for, but to volunteer in doing a young adult ministry there at my church. So that my previous church didn't really have much of a young adult ministry, but here I am leading this college Bible study, and I'm like, man, like I think like, I think like something's cool happening. I want to like do this more. Can we do this more? And I know there's young professionals as well, not just college students. Can we like start doing something more? So then we started building this enormous young adult ministry and we would have a gathering on Tuesday nights with 15 people. And now in a, in, um, so part of that, um, so part of that, it was really cool, but also, like, for me, like, I kind of dreamed big, and I was like, man, I think oh, this is so fun doing this, and I think that, you know, it would be more than 15 people, and I'm a little, like, frustrated, but I thought about numbers, I'm sorry, I thought about numbers, I was like, okay, you're right, sorry, but it's only 15 people, it's a lot of energy for 15 people, can we do this, can we make this a life group, okay, should we make this a life group? So throughout this process, there was one of the guys that was part of the, the ministry that we were doing, and he said, um, my buddy, um, um, my buddy Seth, I'm, or at least his name, I'll call him Seth for now. <laughs> so my, my buddy Seth, so Seth is a new Christian. Seth was involved in the, young, the new young adult ministry that we're trying to start there at my previous church. And he's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Like double majored in physics and political science, but then taught himself how to code and had an IT job. Like, bro, you're just brilliant. But also like very smart and also just kind of like... Um, 
Um, I'm not saying this pejoratively, but just like unemotional. Like he was just very just kind of like matter of fact about things, which I really enjoyed, like the honest candor. And he said, and he kind of saw like some of the, um, God was working to my heart around the frustrations as well as, but he kind of saw it too as I was learning just to process my own emotions. I was very unaware emotionally um, back in Texas. And he said, hey, Isaac, don't think that what we're doing now doesn't matter. You've helped me and you've helped me so much. And I just want you to know, man, that what you're doing matters. The ministry that you're doing matters because you've impacted me. And I'm like crying because here I am thinking like, okay, we're trying to do stuff. And here he is saying, hey, Isaac, you're, you're doing really good ministry, man. Just, just keep going. So I'm processing all this, and I'm thinking about this this morning with my wife, with my wife Lauren. And then I was like, man, I just had this huge uh, Kairos moment, this aha moment this morning to where um, I felt like, and I like started crying like in my kitchen this, this morning, to where I feel like God was saying, Isaac, you, you learned how to do good at your job as well as integrate ministry into your job. That was your assignment. You did your assignment really well, right? You were frustrated. You were trying to be fulfilled. You are trying to find out what's next. And here's what you ended up doing is you ended up being where you were and you learned how to be fulfilled in what you were doing by integrating both motivated at your job as well as doing ministry at your job. And you did such a good job. And then it was time for a new assignment. So let's go to Orlando. Had I not learned how to integrate, be motivated at my job, as well as integrate ministry into my job, um, I would be so unfulfilled in what I'm doing now because it would have been the same thing over and over and over to where I'm trying to find fulfillment. I'm trying to find out what's next, right? And we will never find fulfillment what's next if we can't find any sort of fulfillment in what we're doing now. And that's my hope and that's my prayer for you is that wherever you are, um, next week, you're like, okay, Isaac, are you saying I can never quit my job? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is whatever situation you are now, with the best of your ability, whatever you can, being prayer, the Holy Spirit to come guide you and lead you to be able to find whatever, even though if your job is terrible, even if you think your job is terrible, you're there now. So that means that God has assigned it to you now. So either you're going to be frustrated and angry and feel shameful and feel anxious about your job now, or you can ask, hey, is it possible that for whatever reason, I don't really know the reason, but is it possible that whatever the reason is that God has assigned me, God has called me to this job now, and if you are there, the answer is yes, because you're there now. And is it possible that I can find fulfillment by being motivated at my job and doing ministry at my job in order for me to love and to serve others and find fulfillment in that? And I think you can. I think you can. Some of us are already there. Some of you are on a journey towards there. And that's my hope for you, that, that people in Orlando for the first time in their lives have hope in Jesus because of the work that you're doing. At your jobs, you are a light um, into the world because of the job where you are, because you have access where nobody else has access. You can go to places that nobody else can go. There's literally with a badge, right? If you have a badge to get in key access, you can go places no one else can go to be a light of Jesus, to do your job well with motivation and to do ministry in your job. That's my hope. That's my prayer for you. And I'm so confident that as we all do that, the city of Orlando will be changed. And people that are hopeless for the first time in their lives may find hope. And for those of us that are here, we're so grateful because somebody was hope for us when we were hopeless. And now we get to be that, um, we get to, not our hope, we get to point to people to hope in Jesus as God is loving us, and we get to love other people through that. That's my hope. That's my prayer for us. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm so grateful for you. God, I'm so grateful for your son Jesus. God, I'm so grateful for your spirit. God, I'm so grateful, God, that you give us work, 
That's sacred. And with the sacred work that we do, we get to provide hope for people in your name to be motivated in our jobs and to do ministry in our jobs. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful just for all of our friends here that we don't, we know that we're not laboring by ourselves. God, we're actually laboring with the family and in community. We love you in Jesus' name.